Let's take our Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. We uh, dealt with a particular event that took place really early on in the life of the first century church. Uh, the uh, story that is an uh, account that has been talked about for many centuries of Ananias and Sapphira and their attempt to deceive the church, the apostles, and God himself. And though we know that God does not uh, exercise his judgment every time someone's a hypocrite, there is a place for this in the first century church as to God showing us the importance of the church and how we should regard and act and treat the church. And Right after this event, we come to verse number 11, we see the aftershock or the aftermath of what happened to Ananias and Sapphira and in the church. And notice verse 11 of Acts 5, the Bible says, And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. And as insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. What were they looking for? Healing, right? Just by Peter walking by them. Verse 16. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed everyone. Hmm. I want to bring your attention to verse 12, if you would. We find an expression here that says, By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders. I want to preach a message that I've entitled this in this study, The Reasons for Signs and Wonders. The reasons or reasons for signs and wonders. As we look through the book of Acts, we have to understand, and this is very important, that the first believers there that we read about in Acts chapter number 1 would receive a, a, spe a special unction from the Holy Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost, which was a once-in-a-lifetime event. Now, the charismatic churches claim that we need to have another Pentecost. No, we do not. There only needs to be one Pentecost. But if you look at the world, they think about the church. And again, Luke is writing to Theophilus, who was a Gentile, evidently. He wrote Luke's record, remember, about Jesus Christ. And now he goes on and he gives to Theophilus this record of the first century church and the signs and the wonders that Jesus Christ did were recorded in Luke, and the signs and wonders which were done uh, by the apostles in the first century church are recorded here in the book of Acts. And as we think about those uh, signs and wonders, we, 
we think about what is the reason for them? What do they do? Why do those signs and wonders not happen today? Have you ever heard that? Why don't these things happen today? Uh, why do we not believe in uh, the, I guess, in the gift of healing? Or uh, today for the church, the uh, gift of speaking in tongues as to be used in the church. And there are reasons for that. But if uh, sometimes you'll hear something like this where someone will say, well, if you read what you see in the book of Acts and you read what Jesus did, if we could just see these same things today, then we would believe. Sometimes people have said that. I've referenced this before. I remember my father who uh, had a, a Muslim man contact him. He wanted to ask him some questions. And so my uh, father obliged and he went and he met him. And it happened to be right outside of a mosque. And the Muslim man was sitting there with his Muslim friends. And uh, he says, you know, you believe the Bible and you believe the word of God that it is true. And my dad uh, affirmed. He said that he believed the word of God. And the Muslim man just said, uh, well, I, I don't want you to uh, do any miracles, but the Bible says that if you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Now, I don't want you to move mountains, but if you can move that tree over there three feet to the right, then I'll believe your God, I'll forsake my core, and I'll believe in Jesus Christ. That, that's what uh, other religions will say. That's what the world says. If you could just show us a miracle, a sign, we will believe. I'm going to show you this morning that that is not the case at all. If the church today was involved in many signs and wonders, the world would still not believe. You say, how do you know that? Because when the signs and wonders were done in those times, the people did not believe. It is that simple. Now, I'm going to expound on that. As we consider our text, we find here this is the aftermath of what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. They both died there in the presence of the apostles and the, uh, the church. And the Bible says there was great fear that came upon all the church, verse 11, and upon as many as heard these things. And I want us to think here, because when we read in the book of Acts, we read about signs and wonders, and I want to make some points about those signs and wonders, but I also want us to ask ourselves, should those signs and wonders that happened then have an impact upon us today? As they did on the first century church. What we read in the text is not just those who saw what happened to Ananias and Sapphira were affected. The Bible says those that heard what happened were affected. And here we are in the 21st century, and we can still hear about what happened in the first century church. I want to make a number of points here about signs and wonders to give us some understanding or to reply to those statements, well, why don't these things happen today? And if they only would happen today, then people would believe. And I'd like to make some points to give us understanding and to help us as we think about answering those signs and wonders. First of all, if you are taking notes, I want you to write this down. First of all, signs and wonders commanded the attention of the people. Signs and wonders commanded the attention of the people. Now, it is clear as we read here in Acts chapter number 5 that when Ananias and Sapphira died there in the church, 
it, uh, the news traveled through the church rather quickly. Not only did it travel in the church, but the people who were outside of the church who heard those things, they were also in great fear. Uh, evidently, the news traveled so much that there were multitudes of people that were out around the city who were coming and bringing sick folks to the apostles. And we see here a mighty move of the Spirit of God in the first century church. And so the, thing, the, the, the truth that we must declare right off the bat is that those signs and wonders commanded the attention of the people. Doesn't it always do that? Right? You do a miracle, and all of a sudden it attracts a bunch of people around. We just saw that if you go back with me in chapter 3. If you remember in chapter 3, when um, Peter and John healed the lame man who was at the beautiful gate, uh, the lame man has a hold of Peter and John. He is leaping. He's praising God. And uh, notice in verse 12 of Acts 3, the Bible says, and when Peter saw it, he answered the people, now what did he see? If you go back to uh, verse number 10, And they knew that it was which sat for, uh, for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon, greatly wondering. I want you to put a picture in your mind here. The Bible says they all ran together. It would be like if you uh, go into a crowded mall and all of a sudden there's a box in the air and the box opens up and there's $100 bills flowing to the ground and you would see a bunch of people running together simultaneously trying to pick those $100 bills. That's the scene we have here. Here's a miracle. Here's a layman who was lame, but now he's leaping, he's praising God and he's got a hold of Peter and John and then these people instantaneously, they run run over to Peter and John, they're amazed. So what does Peter say? He saw, he answered the people, verse 12, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this, or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? You see what Peter does? We're grateful for the signs and the wonders. We're grateful for the miracles. But Peter, as he thinks about the miracle, and as all the people are coming to hear the miracle, their attention has been grabbed. But notice, he does not continue in the miracles. What does he do? He preaches Jesus. Notice verse 16. And notice he says, And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So they don't take the credit for the miracle. They don't say, yes, we did this. They say, it is by the name of Jesus Christ and faith in, this, in his name that this man now is walking, leaping, and praising God. So signs and wonders, I believe, as we see here, they always commanded attention. Now, today, if there were signs and wonders, I would say, yes, they would still command attention. If you hear about somebody doing miracles, everybody starts flocking. It's interesting when you hear about, and today it's a lot of scams that are out there, where you'll have a, a different places, there's a different place. A lot of those are connected to the Roman Catholic Church, where they'll have, you know, a, I remember a painting where the painting was crying and there's a tear coming from the eye of the Lord Jesus Christ and people, and they found out later it was a scam. Somebody was, uh, had a sponge right behind, there was a little hole, a pin in the eyeball, and then you'd see the tear drop. And so there's all kinds of scam, but when people hear of some sign or wonder, they flock to that place. 
Signs and wonders still command attention. But as we read in the book of Acts, we notice here that it was never about the miracles. If you remember, in chapter number 2, they were speaking in, the, in tongues, and the people in their own language were hearing the wonderful works of God. And as people, again, were wondering and amazed, what did Peter do on the day of Pentecost? He preached Jesus of Nazareth. In Acts here, chapter 3, when the layman is healed, what did Peter do when the, flock, when, when the people came? He preached Jesus of Nazareth. And so we find here again, there's miracle and signs and wonders that we're going to find. What do the, if we read later in the chapter 5, we'll find that the high priest grabs a hold of Peter and John and the apostles and they put him in prison for doing what? For preaching Jesus. Not for doing the miracles. For preaching Jesus. So we know about signs and, and wonders. They commanded attention. That is true. We admit that. Uh, signs and miracles always commanded attention, and they would still today. But the second thing we learn about those signs and wonders is that signs and wonders confirmed the message. Signs and wonders confirmed the message. If you go back with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, in Mark chapter 16, we find uh, that uh, the Great Commission is given in verse number 15 to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And the Bible gives us a summary of what happened in verse 19 and 20 of Mark 16. The Bible says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they, that's the disciples, went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. And notice here, confirming the word with signs following. So in other words, when we think about those signs and wonders, the Bible makes it clear as it summarizes, if you would, post the ascension of Jesus Christ, uh, what was emphasized, the message was confirmed by the signs and wonders. So this is what tells us, what is it that is important here? It is the message. It is the word that is being preached. All that the signs and wonders do is they confirm that indeed the message is valid. Now some people would say, well, uh, there's no signs today, and so therefore your message is not confirmed. No, I'm saying it's already been confirmed by signs and wonders. It doesn't need to be confirmed again. Now, I want you to go with me to the book of Hebrews. If you turn with me in the book of Hebrews in chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter 2, he's going to talk about the apostles, and he's going to remind them about how the church started. Now, the book of Hebrews was written a little later, and these were written to Jewish Christians who had trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They were facing persecution, and he reminds them about all how things started in the beginning of the church. Notice Hebrews 2 verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, notice, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, how was it confirmed? Verse 4, 
God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So the Bible tells us here that the Lord confirmed the apostles in the first century when the church first started, and how did he confirm this message from the apostles by bearing them witness? How? By both signs and wonders. Understand, signs and wonders were from God. They were not from the apostles. The apostles, remember, what was the command? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so they would fulfill that command. And along the way, God, every once in a while, would bring forth signs and wonders to confirm the message of the apostles. What is interesting to find here is that this was not, there are moments in time when God intervenes and manifests his power through signs and wonders. It was never done according to the will of Peter or John or any of the apostles. It was always done according to the will of God. We see, first of all, that signs and wonders commanded attention. Signs and wonders confirmed the message. Thirdly, signs and wonders classified the people. Now, if you go back with me to Acts chapter 5, we find here that as a result of those signs and wonders, the Bible is going to break for us here three different groups. Now, I know I typically break everybody in the world as unbeliever and believer. But here in Acts chapter 5, we have a certain classification. Because what is interesting, that same classification is also found during the ministry of Jesus Christ. And that is this. There were people who rejected who did not believe, who hated Jesus Christ, who wanted to put him to death. Then there was a bunch of people who believed. They saw the miracles. They were attracted by the miracles. They believed that he was something special. They believed he was a teacher. They called him rabbi. But they weren't really believers. They believed in what? They believed in the signs and the wonders. They did not believe in Messiah. How do we know that? Because the Bible repeatedly tells us that there were multitudes of people following Jesus Christ and believing, and yet when we come to Acts chapter 1, there's only 120. So a lot of people believe. Believe what? Signs and wonders. They did not necessarily believe in His name. You see, there are three groups here we identify. Notice verse 12. And by the hand of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, durst no man join himself unto them. But the people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. I see here three classifications of people. The first one is the rest. Notice verse 13. And of the rest, durst no man join himself to them. That is in contrast, verse 13, with the people. So there's the rest, then there's the people, and then verse 14, and believers were the more added to them. So you see the three groups of people. There's the rest, there's the people, and then there's the believers. Now you say, well, what's the significance of that? Well, I would say here that the rest defines for us what we find here is the ruling class. That's who is included in the rest. Now, why do I call them the ruling class? Because the rest in verse number 13 is in contrast in verse 13 with 
the people magnify them. You see that? So the rest, the people who did not want to follow Jesus Christ, who did not want to accept Jesus Christ, who were not even impressed by the miracles, that's the rest, the ruling class, who are going to put their hands on them in verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all that were with him and and were filled with indignation. That's the rest. In contrast, there's a second group of people, and that is the people. The Bible says the people magnify them. So the first classification is the ruling class. The second classification is the common people. And those, I also separate those from the, if you would, the ruling class to with the believers because the Bible says they magnify them. So you see what the Bible says here? They were impressed with them. They were amazed at the signs and the wonders. But the Bible goes on further and gives us a third classification. And believers were the more added to the church. It doesn't say that all the people that magnified them were added to the church and believers. So there was a portion among those people that magnified them, the apostles, that were impressed, that believed, but not all that magnified believed. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes both of men and Women. You see what signs and wonders do? They classify the people. Let me put it this way. In the ruling class, it shows the people who couldn't stand to hear about Jesus Christ, and therefore they couldn't stand the miracles. They would reject anything that had to do with Jesus Christ, even if it benefited them, or they could be healed by it. But then there's another group of people, and that is the people who are impressed with the signs of miracles, but they're not interested in the message of Peter. They like to see the signs and the wonders. They like to bring their uh, mother-in-law who is sick. They like to bring their father or their children. They like to bring people, and they are magnifying them. They're impressed with them. They're praising them. And really, the Bible tells us here, we, we see clear in the book of Acts, that the reasons why the ruling class would not put Peter and John and the apostles to death is because they know the people liked it. Not that the people believed in Jesus Christ, but that the people liked the miracles and were impressed by them. You see, it is still such today. We live in a world that even people who say, well, I want to see a miracle and I want to be healed, often people, what they're looking for is for physical, temporal relief, and they are not interested in Jesus Christ. They are not interested in the message that the apostle Peter is preaching, and so here are the common people. But then the third group of people is we find the believers, verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. What I find here is the expression, which I think is very important for us to see here, is that the third distinction of people is believers who were added to the Lord. Now, we see here, remember chapter 2, the Lord added to the church. Here. The Bible says believers were added to the Lord. You see what that said? It tells us that these people that believe, these were the genuine Christians, genuine believers. In other words, there's a distinction. The ruling class stood afar off and criticized and mocked and tried to see how they could thwart the plan of Peter and Paul. But then there's a second group of people who are following Peter and John everywhere. Oh, what is he doing next? What is he doing next? Oh, wow, look at this miracle. Wow, wow, wow. But there's among those people, there's a, there's a little portion of them that believed, and these people we know were saved because they were added to the Lord. Notice he doesn't say the church, the Lord, because people could go to the church but not be genuine believers. 
You see, a portion of them were added to the Lord. Those are the people that what? That believed. Not who were standing afar off and pressed, magnifying the miracles, but the people who believed. So, third, signs and wonders classified the people. Number four, signs and wonders confounded the skeptics. If you notice with me, if we go back in chapter 5, notice a little later in verse 28. The Bible says, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? Now, look, the Bible just summarizes from verse 11 down to verse 16, signs and miracles. It doesn't tell us that Peter was preaching, but evidently they were. You see, it was not about the signs and miracles, because later... When they grab a hold of Peter and John, they say, we told you not to preach in his name. We threatened you, don't speak in the name of Jesus Christ. They don't even mention the miracles. They had a problem with his name. And behold, ye have filled, he said, notice verse 18, this is wonderful. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. What doctrine? The doctrine of who Jesus of Nazareth is. Who he is and, and what he has done but they were infuriated. Remember in chapter 4, verse 16, you remember what they said, the Bible says, saying, What shall we do to these men, for that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So you see what signs and wonders did, they confounded the skeptics, to where they the only thing that they could get away with was what they accused Jesus Christ of doing. Oh, he does that by the prince of Beelzebub. That's the only way he can cast out devils is if he's a devil himself. And Jesus rebuked them for saying that. But notice the signs and the wonders. They confounded the skeptics. And the point I'm making here is that we think about our world and people say, well, if only we could see signs and wonders done today, then we would believe. And I tell you, no, they would not. Jesus Christ himself said in John chapter 3 and chapter 4 that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And so it doesn't matter how many signs and wonders are done. The truth is people still love their sin and want to remain in their sin. And speaking of Jesus Christ exposes the truth of the fact that they are sinful in the sight of God and that they are under the wrath of God. So it doesn't matter how many signs and wonders you do. Why? Because those signs and wonders confounded the skeptics. They, the Bible says they could say nothing against it. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. So the only thing they could say is to stop preaching in his name. And I thought to myself, that would be really appealing, would it not? To the flesh. I'm, I'm talking about Peter and John. The authority comes and says, all right, you can't preach in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, look, keep doing the miracles. Keep impressing the people. Keep having a crowd following you. But don't mention Jesus Christ. Don't mention his name. Don't talk about him. Don't go, don't get into the doctrine You see, the truth is the world is always fine with everything apart from Jesus Christ. The government will actually encourage, they will give money and funds to the church if the church is involved in 
social justice issues. And churches are flocking to apply for loans and grants from the government to help in solving the social ills of our country. I was talking to someone recently. They received millions of dollars to help uh, the low-income uh, low uh, children in, in, uh, in huge cities and uh, millions of dollars a year. And he said, but if they mention the name of Jesus, they get fined and they lose their grants. And to be honest with you, my heart was, well, what's the purpose? You're just giving them a better house to live in? You're just giving them some food and that's it? And you're not giving them what they need? I wouldn't want all the money in the world if I couldn't share the gospel. So we see that signs and wonders confounded the skeptics. Next, we see that signs and wonders condemned the world. If you go back with me to chapter 5 or 17, notice here the Bible says, after the Bible kind of summarizes all that was going on during that time and the signs and the wonders and the people being healed, verse 17 says, And then the high priest rose up and all they that were with him, which the sect of the Sadducees and were filled with indignation. You see what signs and miracles did? They did not convince the world. They condemned the world. The signs and the wonders just revealed to us how wicked the world is and how the heart of man is desperately wicked above all things. Even Jesus Christ Himself, He did so many miracles among the people. Many have been recorded for us and yet uh, many more were done by Him. For example, John 20.30 says, And many other signs truly did Jesus. He says, in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. He says in the next chapter in John 21, 25, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, which the which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself cannot contain the books that should be written. Amen. But the amazing thing is that John 12, 37 tells us, but though he had done many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. He had done many miracles among them, yet the Bible says they believed not on him. That is perplexing on the surface, particularly when you hear people in the world, well, if only we could see the signs and the wonders today, we would believe. No you would not. Not only did they not believe, they condemned Jesus to death. I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 16. In Luke 16, we have the account here as Jesus Christ shares the rich man and Lazarus. And what is interesting in this passage is the rich man dies and Lazarus also died. We uh, see that uh, the rich man went to hell. Lazarus was uh, brought into Abraham's bosom. And in this scene, if you go with me here, let's uh, uh, begin reading in verse 19. So there, Luke 16, 19, the Bible says, There was a rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. 
The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, that I may, for I am tormented in his flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Verse 26, And beside all of this between us, and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from thence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Abraham, that thou wouldest send him, that's who, Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And here is what Abraham says. He says, Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Do you get that? Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. These are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's saying here that in his discourse, the man says, if only someone could go to him, and what he is showing us here, what is interesting is the man never said of himself, right? Well, nobody ever came to me. Nobody ever told me. He says, he never asked to get out. He just says, could you send someone if they just could see a miracle? If they could see somebody rise from the dead, then they would repent. And Abraham says, no, they would not. And the simple reply is this. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. You see that? Hear in contrast with see. Oh, they need to see somebody rise from the dead. No, they need to hear Moses and the prophets. That's what they need. And he says, if they see someone rise from the dead, they still will not repent. What he's saying is, if they don't repent when they hear Moses and the prophets, you can be assured that they will not repent when they see signs and wonders. And this is still the case today. You see, what signs and wonders did for us in Acts and the Gospels is they condemned the world. But I want to turn our attention now from those signs and wonders. We see that they were temporary in nature. They would confirm the message. They would command the attention. All those things, they would condemn the world, classify the people in all those things, confound the skeptic. But I want to turn our attention because the effect of the signs and wonders was not just on the world. It was also on the church. If we read, back with me, notice in Acts uh, 5, if you turn there back with me in Acts 5, the Bible says in verse number 11, and great fear came upon the church. That's where he began. And the Bible says, and upon as many as heard these things. So I want you to see here, because here, let's put ourselves here with the context of this. Are we aware that the majority of the people that heard the news did did not see what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? 
They only what? Heard. So well, if we could just see, the majority of the people back then did not see what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. They only heard. But yet, they were moved by what they heard. The Bible tells us, right, by the hand of the apostles, verse 12, where many signs and wonders wrought among the people. The Bible tells us, classifies the people, the rest, the people, the believers, verse 15, insomuch that they... Uh, brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about into Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, everyone. And so we read about all the things that are happening, and we, we, I think we sometimes can di- get distracted because the point of this passage is not really the signs and the miracles as much as the message as we find throughout the book of Acts. But the Bible points out to us, before we run and look at the world and the reaction of the world, I think we miss and overlook verse 11 that tells us that great fear came upon the church. The church, the believers, were affected by the signs and the wonders. And I want to give you two last truths about signs and wonders, but particularly as we turn attention to ourselves, and the first thing is this, or I guess you could... Continue on the same list going, but signs and wonders convicted the believers. What had just happened? When we read verse 11, what had just happened? And great fear came upon all the church. What just happened? Ananias and Sapphira died. You remember? They deceived the people. They sold a a land, and they kept back a portion for themselves. They brought the uh, portion, Ananias, to the apostles' feet. He laid at the apostles' feet, and then right there he died. Then Sapphira comes later, and she has an opportunity to, again, uh, confess, but she does not. She hides, says, yes, we sold it for that, and then she dies. And the Bible says that there was great fear that came upon the church. You see, the signs and the wonders convicted the believers. You see... I believe that, uh, would you venture to say, if if we, we know ourselves and we know the church and we know human beings as we know ourselves, would we say that there would be more deceivers in the church than just Ananias and Sapphira? I think we could pretty much assume that to be so. You see, this was just an example, one example. But when the church saw what happened, fear came upon all them. So the signs and the wonders would convict the believers. And here we read in Acts chapter 5, it is recorded for us. Oh, look at those signs and wonders. And I'm thinking here, what would be the thoughts of those believers there in the first century church? I could die today. Wouldn't that be your thought? If you had just seen a man and his wife fall down, die, and their bodies be carried, their corpse being carried out of the church, wouldn't your thought be at that moment, and I could die today? God could take my life right now. He could cease to give me breath. I would assume here that this would be a time when the believers would ask themselves, Is there any of Ananias and Sapphira in me? Is there any of that in me? Is there any deception? Is there any um, 
a way that I'm keeping back on my commitment to God? Am I being dishonest? Am I lying to the Holy Ghost? Uh, my life is short. My life is brief. It could be taken away in a moment. You see, signs and wonders convicted the believers, but lastly, signs and wonders changed the church. You see, the world, two things. There's the group over here, remember? All the rest, the rulers, they couldn't stand it. The people, generally speaking, magnify them. They like the show. But the believers, that's a different story. I believe the people who are the most affected truly by the signs and the miracles were actually the believers themselves. Number one, that God would use them to witness those signs and miracles. The, the first century apostles, uh, you see, they would go on to preach Jesus Christ. Uh, they would go on to do mighty works for Him. You see, they became afraid of God, but it was a kind of loving fear. They felt reverence and awe for God, as any of us would. You see, instead of being paralyzed, they were drawn to God. The Bible tells us in the midst of this, uh, in verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord. Right after the death of Lazarus and Sapphira, or, or I mean Ananias and Sapphira, right after their death, people came flocking in the church. You'd think they'd be running out. No, they came running in. in think about it. They had just been threatened. Don't teach or preach in his name. Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead and people flock in. You think the opposite, right? Well, we can't join you because they've been threatened. And if we join, if we're not genuine, we could die. But yet that changed the church. You see, instead of being paralyzed by the death of Ananias and Sapphira or by the threats from the outside, they were instead drawn to God because of the signs and miracles. And as such, when you read about the first century church, it is perplexing to me that they seemed unafraid of men. Why were they unafraid of men? I'll tell you why. Because they had the fear of God. You see, the fear of God relieves us from all other fears. The fear of God relieves us from all other fears. Some of them say, well, you're trying to scare people into getting heaven. Well, if the, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but if they get scared, I'm glad. Reverence and godly fear is what we need. And I believe that not only were the believers convicted by the signs and wonders, but I believe they were changed by the signs and wonders. Those not only that saw but those that heard. And today, here we are in the 21st century, and we've heard about those signs and the wonders. Those signs and wonders are historical facts. I don't care what the latest scholar says or what the new, uh, you know, uh, smooth uh, so-called preacher says to tickle people's ears. These are literal events that really happened in the first century church. They should both convict us and change us to serve the Lord. And so may the Lord help us to consider the reason for the signs 
and the wonders. And may the Lord help us.